Garage Guys NASCAR podcast is brought to you by Hooters. That's right. Hooters is for race day. Hooters is for garage guys. We all know this. And right now, if you download the Hooters app or go to order.hooters.com and use promo code garage guys, you're going to save $10 on any $30 or more to go order. That offer is valid at participating locations for delivery and carry out orders $30 or more. And use promo code garage guys while dining in just by telling your Hooters waitress about promo code garage guys to save you $10 on any $40 plus dine in order valid at HOA locations for food, non-alcoholic beverages and merchandise. Enjoy your Hooters and enjoy the garage guys NASCAR podcast. Welcome to garage talk today. We make history. We have a very, very special guest. Our, uh, our first driver, uh, on Garage Talk, who is not currently driving, but he did drive at a time when we were becoming attached to our love for the sport NASCAR. It is Mark Martin, the man himself. Mark, we are so thrilled to have you. Thanks so much for being on Garage Talk today. You, you're looking better than ever, my man. Yeah, I'm living the good life, and uh, I'm a, I'm excited to be on your show, guys. You, you guys are hilarious. Good stuff, man. Thank you. That, so <laughs> that 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 means a lot coming from you, man. Like as you see, you know, we're we got the jacket. I wear it way too often. Uh brings me back to the childhood and in my teenage years watching you race. And it is truly uh, an honor to have you on our show for real. Now, I want to talk real quick. Uh while it is relevant and it brought so much good attention to the sport this past weekend, I just wanted to know if you had any thoughts to kick us off here about the deal with Ross Chastain, Noah Gragson, what happened at Kansas Speedway this past weekend. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I Talk. see the first, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I see the frustration from, from, from both sides. Uh, I see Ross's frustration, uh, you know, because he gets, uh, now he seems to be the target for, uh, for everything, the things that he does, uh, which, you know, he, he does, uh, often and things he doesn't do. Uh, so it's, I see his frustration for sure. God, Ross is fun to watch race and he's so good for the sport. Um, you know, and you know, then on Noah's, Noah's side, dude, nobody wants to get, you know, put in a wall. However, you know, we didn't see enough camera angles and enough replays of that. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, Ross never got into him. Ross did carry him high, too high for him to make it off the corner. Um, and we're in an era in, in, in NASCAR racing now where you can't let it off. Like back in the day, uh, if you were Noah, you would have just lifted off the gas. You'd said, oh, I'm not going to make it off this corner if I stay on the floor, and, you know, the way he's crowded me up here. That's what you would do. And you'd be mad at Chastain and you'd tell him about it after the race, or maybe you'd get a chance to do that, do something, you know, to show your displeasure during the race. But long story short, I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call balls and strikes on it. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was just one of those racing deals. You know what they say? Yeah. Well said. 
that's the best way to put it. You know, we all have different theories on it. I've had some some words about it. I know that Dale's had some words about it. And ultimately, I, I think we can all agree, like, these are the types of things that, that happen that put NASCAR in the spotlight and and really get people talking throughout the week. I know the ratings came out for NASCAR and then Formula One on Sunday. Uh, the ratings were higher for NASCAR. So that's always a great sign, especially with the the storm that they have that they're rolling up now. So and it was a great race, too. It was a great race, a uh, great finish. Uh, there's a, a lot to talk about in that as well. So it's just always good. We definitely wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, moving forward and I don't think it's the last time we're going to see some action like this this year I think that uh, I think tempers have finally hit that point to where now it's just going to be a lot more confrontational yeah I agree you know uh, Ross is a is a target for everybody's frustration now Um, and uh, you know part of that's been of his own doing Um, but I don't know that I saw Ross do anything really wrong. I mean, Ross says I got tied off the corner. Well, back in the day when you got tied off the corner, you lifted rather than carrying somebody, you know, high. And then the same thing goes for Noah. You know, he he didn't have to stay in the gas, but he did. And that's what you do today. So I I'm I'm a I'm a huge Ross Chastain fan, but I'm also a Noah Gregson fan. So I'm a fan of both, and I just call that one hard racing. Are you a fan of 23 style racing? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I think, I think it's great. You know, I had that haircut when I was five. It was a good time. Same. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, we did. But you, you were talking about back in the day. You're talking about when you were racing. And that's kind of where we really want to talk here. We want to talk a little bit about you and about your life and things that happened during your career and, you know, and, and other things outside of your career. And just who is Mark Martin? You know, those are the main topics here. So, you know, talking back into NASCAR, you know, in the days that you were racing, there's a ton of things that we could ask. There's a ton of questions we could have. We want to keep it simple. Looking back at your record, I see that you've had you've had around 40 wins in your career in the NASCAR Cup Series. Which one of those was your favorite? And and do you have anything from that race that that is just most memorable to you or, or, or things that happened during that race that maybe you've never really talked about before you'd like to talk about? Well, the the – the one race that that is probably very important because it was the close of one chapter and the opening of another chapter was the win in Rockingham, my first win in Rockingham in 1989. However, that's not my particularly my favorite win. Um, and it's not that's a long time ago. It's not necessarily the most memorable. Uh, but it was really important because I'd gone through such a struggle to get to where I could get that win. And at that point, I knew that I could win more races. I was with a race team that we could win more races. So it was really important. It was the opening of that next chapter, which led to, you know, a total of 40 wins and a bunch of uh, Xfinity, you know, at the time, Bush Series wins and a lot of other things so true success really started to happen after that one um the most memorable to me is 2009 phoenix 
uh, with the, the five car because I really thought I would never win and win again. And the significance of that really is no one, I can't describe the euphoria that you feel or that I felt when I would win a race. It was uh, something I can't describe. And when I finally took Rick Hendrick's offer, which I, I turned Rick Hendrick down twice because he demanded I run the full schedule and I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, but the third time he came at me, I was like, dude, I've been so close in this eight car to win in a race. I'd just love to win one more. So um, it was a really, really special win. Love that. That was a, a really interesting era. Um, and that was so much fun. I was 13 years old and me and my dad, uh, always rooted against Jimmy Johnson all the, t all the time. So <laughs> that year was really cool seeing you put him to the test, uh, in a, in a time where he was super, super dominant at Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. Looking into it now, I, I, I don't even know where I was about to graduate high school. That shows the age gap right there between <laughs> Dale and I. So yeah, that's uh I remember when you were running that five car, man. And and Phoenix is one of those tracks. You talk about the euphoria that you feel. It's almost like you know, when when people are out there and, and they're really good at their craft, you know, it, it's just I've heard a lot of people talk about it's just this um it's this feeling almost like chills that runs through you. You don't know where it comes from, you can't control it. So maybe maybe something similar to that. It's just like it's just it's something that's I don't know, it's almost alien. It's weird, you know. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you that I vividly remember walking out of the, the garage area, looking up at that, it was dark, looking up at that lit scoreboard and seeing that number five on the top. And, um, and then whenever I got to it, pulling my phone out of my pocket and seeing all the massive number of, of text, you know, that I had gotten. So it was, uh, you know, it was a real special time. But anytime you saw your car number at the top of that store, any scoreboard, that was uh, that was a good feeling. Yeah, the only feeling I get to know similar is on iRacing. So <laughs> I, I try to I try to replicate that in some way, shape, or form in the virtual racing world, Mark. Uh, but I, I, I we talk about you know how that how big of a moment that was for you and like your comeback. Uh, your career longevity is just ridiculous, right? It's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, you got to race with Richard Petty, and you got to race with Joey Logano. If you really think about that, that's pretty insane, thinking about the, the linear path of the history of NASCAR. And throughout all this time, we had to word this question a little bit differently because we we're going to assume there's going to be one key answer here. Who is the, the most competitive, most difficult driver you ever race against not named Dale Earnhardt. And it may not be Dale, but we, we have to assume because you hear that a lot from from amongst several drivers that did race with them. So we want to know the most competitive, difficult race car driver you ever performed against not named Dale Earnhardt Sr. Excellent question. The answer would have been Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. You, you were dead on it. Um, the next guy that comes to my mind, it was Larry Phillips and, uh, and Larry, uh, Larry taught Rusty Wallace and I, you know, how hard it was going to be 
when we got to the top, you know, because when we raced Larry in our late models in Springfield, Missouri and Fort Smith, Arkansas, I-70 Speedway, if we wanted to win, we had to beat Larry Phillips and buddy, he was tough. Wow. How excited were you to see that he was in, because he's not, he's not a household name to a lot of the, a lot of the fans today. Right. So how excited were you to see that he was inducted in that NASCAR 75? Well, I was happy to see that. I, I you know, I have uh, lobbied um, for years for him to be in, you know, the NASCAR hall of fame. Um, if you look at his stats, I mean, he, he won, uh, you know, I don't know what it is, 200 and 270 of 300, 200, you know, 40 of 300, uh, something like that, or NASCAR regional uh, races. He was, he was getting down with it. He was just, he gritted him out. He, he won almost every time he raced in the NASCAR regional series, which was after, you know, that was well after Rusty and I were gone, but he won. Rusty and I did get some wins in 77. Uh, it was really our first year to really chase the pavement stuff. Uh, we did manage to beat Larry, but it was, uh, it was a rare occasion and you had to be on your toes, beat him to the front. You had to beat him to the front for sure. That's awesome. That's great to hear that because, like I said, and I didn't really know a lot about Larry Phillips either up until the this recent induction happened. So that's a great, that's an interesting answer that I feel like a lot of people would not realize. Yeah, we'll have to go back for sure. I know that uh, that there's there's always new drivers. I feel like, especially from the Bush Series era, from when we were younger, that you know we we may have missed over or not really known because we we grew up. I grew up in that heavy era where it was you senior. Gordon, Bobby and Terry, like th those were, that was the, that was the squad, you know? And, uh, and so to, to learn more about some of these guys that are out there, it makes you really just want to do your homework, right? It makes you want to go in there and study and see what was done. And, and it, it's just, it's cool to hear that. It's cool to hear that these guys that, that, that are in this situation like this, and if, especially for him to get inducted into this hall of fame uh, series right here, it's, you learn. I just learned so much more about the sport that I love. I feel like every day. So we appreciate that. And you know, now nowadays, looking at it, it, you know, continuing on this track that we have with these guys that you competed against, I feel like it, it's kind of important to make some, I guess, comparisons for some of these guys that are now, so that some of the newer NASCAR fans coming in, people that didn't grow up on the sport, they can kind of like get maybe your take on on some of the guys they watch today and maybe the style of racing that they use from the drivers of yesterday. So that's kind of what I want to lead into now. We've got a couple of drivers, Mark, of today's time that are in the Cup Series. We want to know who you think they are most like from some of the drivers you've competed against in the past. And uh, and I want to start that list off with, with a guy that's currently with Joe Gibbs, and that's uh, Christopher Bell. You know, Christopher Christopher Bell uh, flies under the radar some. He's a really, really, really smart racer. Uh, he reminds me probably a lot of uh, of Terry Labonte. You know, he uh, he he doesn't rough people up. 
um, and and he takes care of his equipment. He understands the program, and uh, he us usually is surfacing toward the end. You may not have seen him through the middle of the race so much, but he's usually there at the end. It's Christopher. Yeah, he this is him. <laughs> there he is. This was my favorite car growing up as a child. Like the first car that like I was hooked on, by the way. Kellogg's man. above yours. Yeah, we got we got some uh that just reminds me it's throwback weekend. Yeah, I usually don't wear a mustache, but you know, it's throwback weekend. We'll be at Darlington, so we got to. But I think it's a good time to start with a guy that's under the radar and move into uh someone who is probably the opposite of under the radar, at least from a storyline perspective in 2023, uh, but probably a similar type of driver. Give me a comparison to Kyle Larson. Oh, gosh, Kyle Larson is today's era A.J. Foyt. Oh, I wow. mean, yeah, uh, bar none. I mean, he is the greatest talent of this era, in my opinion, period. Stands, you know, on a on a step of his own. Um, I don't know that I can say he's like anybody I've ever seen. Um, but as far as, you know, AJ won everything he drove, anywhere, anytime, he and Mario Andretti. Um we're witnessing, you know, greatness when we when we get to see Kyle Larson and his versatility has not been touched by anyone. To win in a wing sprint car and to win in a in a, a dirt late model, those things are beasts, both of them, and they're very different. Yes, and uh, you know, and I mean, he, he just wins. I mean, he's unbelievable. And to see what he does with the with a cup car at times, I'm just in awe. Wow, he's yeah. Relax too. And, and like we we've gotten the chance to kind of get to know him a little bit more. And his demeanor, like you would think a guy like that would be very just very serious, very straight laced, very focused. He's so relaxed and just so he's just constantly having a good time. So Seeing that and then hearing that, obviously, I know what you're what you mean there because of the different styles of racing that he's doing. He's getting ready for an Indy 500 next year. You know, like those kind of things are are what really takes somebody as just a, a talented driver to being a historical driver, and because of of all that versatility. So I, I that's a uh, that's a that's a big honor right there for Kyle, and I think that he's definitely shown that he's got what it takes to earn that. So yeah. Next up on the list, we got let, let's let's do a personality check here. Now he was real successful in the Xfinity series on the way up in the cup in the storylines. Uh and, and we'll see what they can do it with him at Legacy Motor Club as he continues to grow. Noah Gragson. Noah's uh very unique and very needed in in NASCAR. Uh we need some different personalities. Um, I'm a huge fan of of Noah from that standpoint he really brings a lot to the table in personality um never knew anyone you know quite like him um he's he's flamboyant but he isn't as flamboyant as Tim Richmond was 
So I can't, you know, I can't, I can't put him in that lightning, but he, he tends that way. And in a day and age where everyone has to watch themselves so closely for every single, from every single direction, uh, Noah, you know, has expanded his personality out. I mean, I just, I love, uh, I love all of his personality. I love the fact that, you know, the, the, the streak there where he was getting sick when he won races, that was a yeah. cool, I mean, the coolest thing was he got that, he got that truck win and at Martinsville and he went over to the wall and leaned over the wall and threw up. I mean, that's, that's cool stuff guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, a, quite the, uh, quite the, I, I won't say celebration, but quite the, the winning, the winning, uh, tradition, I guess for him. It's pretty crazy. It's probably one that he's glad that he got to stop doing. I see. I've made this kind of, I've made this new comparison to him. Like, you know, they call uh, Jimmy Spencer, Mr. Excitement. I call Noah the new Mr. Excitement. He is the new generation, Mr. Excitement. So I don't really know if I would compare the racing styles to be similar, but especially if it becomes a personality and the, the, just being out there, I definitely would, could see that. Yeah. Um, Another one that we have on here is a uh, good pal, good friend of the show, uh, Tyler Reddick with uh, right now with 2311 Racing. Uh, he's he's kind of shown that he's uh, he's been chopping away at that uh, that that road course king, uh, you know, trophy. Yeah, Tyler reminds me a little bit of Cale Yarborough, you know, little guy, fairly mild mannered got the job done every time he straps in Tyler can drive, you know, anything. And, and, you know, he can put that thing up on the wall, like only very few people can do, uh, you know, Larson can do it, but, uh, man, he is so, he is so incredible and he's just, uh, uh, he just digs. He just gets in there and digs and doesn't make a big show of himself and doesn't really put himself out there. That's how kind of how Kale was. He'd answer your questions, but he would climb in that race car and he would give you, you know, a fight like you you you'd never seen. That's a great. That's a great one. That is, yeah. Tyler Reddick's he's a good dude outside of being a phenomenal race car driver as well. Let's do one more, and, and this is the one that we talk about the storylines and everything in 2023, and it's been a common topic about the comparisons to Mr. Ross Chastain. Yeah, Ross, uh, gosh, I can't, uh, I can't recall anybody that I ever raced with other than Larry Phillips and, and, and Dale Earnhardt that was as on the gas as Ross is. And matter of fact, I think Ross is more on the gas than anybody I've ever seen. I, I, that dude, he never checks up for nothing. He's fun to watch. Um, you know, he has had more contact than I condone. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a real believer in, in clean racing and fair racing and may the best man win and all that stuff. Unfortunately, we don't rate, we don't live in an age where racing can, can be conducted like that anymore. Uh, you know, there, and there's a lot of factors that go in that, into that, but 
the person that's going to be the most successful is going to be the person that is the most aggressive and the 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 most selfish on the racetrack. I mean, he's going to have more success than someone who 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 doesn't have that. And it would be a tough, you know, it 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 is tough for Harvick and for you know. Um, you know, guys like that, uh, even Martin Truex Jr., they win races because they're so good and they're so smart. But it's it's got to be a challenge for them to adapt to these wild, wild double file restarts, big, massive runs. You can't if you get a run, you can't lift no matter what, you know, um, the wakes of other cars in the air. Um, you know, you have to go somewhere that other people aren't running back in the day. You didn't have to do that. You know, you found your groove. And if the guy, if you were running the bottom and the guy in front of you was running the bottom, you'd just keep working him till you'd finally get under him, you know, push him hard enough that you could get under him, but you can't do that. Now you've got to run above him and figure out a way to get a run from up above and cross over or whatever. Right, clean air is important, and Ross Chastain knows how to utilize it and get around it. It seems like so we love we love those comparisons, even though the racing is, as you said, substantially different from now and then. Yeah, everything changes over time, and I think it just presents its. That's what we love about it, right? It presents it to where you preserve, you know, what was what was one way in another time, and what is today in this time, and it gives everybody this different talent and this different type of, uh, just different obstacles that they have to work through. So it kind of puts everything in its own category. So those are great comparisons, and we we appreciate that. Have you checked out dailydownforce.com yet? If you haven't, I want you to go right now to dailydownforce.com and get yourself some official Garage Guys merch. If you consider yourself a true loyal Garage Fam member, then you're going to need to show it off to the world. You can buy yourself a Garage Guys rope hat, a Garage Guys trucker hat, an official Garage Guys t-shirt. And if you remember NASCAT from Auto Club, you can show how much you care by supporting NASCAR's Harambe, NASCAT. You can find betting articles each week from Dale Tanhart and NASCAR Titan Greg Mathern. It's got everything you need. DailyDownForce.com Now back to the podcast. And now talking a little bit more about you and your personal life, obviously one big thing for me that, that I've learned about you later in life, literally just learned this last year. don't know how I've missed it, but it was something that just blew me away was the, your, your love for Gucci Mane and his music. I'm a big Gucci Mane guy. I was, I'm a big, the state versus Roderick Davis fan that was where i got big that was right when i was getting ready to graduate high school we were big into listening to that he's had a ton of other mixtapes ton of other hits uh we got to get him to a race i know that much we're gonna find a way to make that happen but when did you start getting into to to gucci or just hip-hop in general just rap like like what kind of got you into that have you always listened to that music no um i was uh i was pretty much a you know rock guy you know um acdc and aerosmith kind of guy and uh i in 2002 ben leslie was my crew chief which was a young young to me crew chief at the time and uh he said 
we're going to build you a special car. We were in for the million dollar bonus at the Coke 600. We're going to build you a car. I know how you like it. I'm going to put, push the nose to the left inch and a half. I'm going to pull it forward. I'm going to push it down. I know you like loose race cars. We've got wind tunnel time. We're going to do this stuff and we're going to test. We got a test and we're going to go get that million. And I said, you do that. And we win it. Half of what I get, half of my money will go to the team. I want it that bad. And so when I show up at the test and walk up into the trailer, he's got the chronic just blaring. <laughs> Let's go. Just blaring, man. Uh, and I became immediately uh, just a huge Dr. Dre fan. So I was all over Dre. Yeah. For the rest of 02, which kind of led to Eminem. So I was Eminem and Dre. And then in 03, Matt's buddies asked me if I ever listened to Gucci Mane because they knew I was listening to Dre and, and um, you know, and Eminem. So I had to check it out. And dude, I was hooked. And you, you'll probably get this, Chase. You couldn't go to iTunes and get his music. No, no. You and you'll laugh at this, but I had to. You know, you figure out how to survive when you have to survive. I needed the music. Yeah. So I go on my computer and go to uh, Dat Piff. Yeah. Dat Piff. That's and it. you could go on Dat Dat Piff, and you could do get his uh, you know mixtapes. And dude, he had hundreds about or you know multiple scores of mi mixtapes it was amazing how much money it was all free yeah but yeah, yeah somehow or another i downloaded it to computer and then i could download it from the computer into my phone so that i could listen to it when i was working out so that's how it all started i love that it. is so crazy to hear but it's awesome right yeah. like Mark was on datpiff.com tapes when I was probably doing the same thing. That's incredible. I remember I people talking about datpiff. Yeah, I still have I still have my uh, login, sign in and login for datpiff. I saw it the other day. You know, it's interesting. I was actually going to ask my follow-up question was what other rappers are you into, but now I see that now seeing like how you got into Gucci. I I I hated Gucci growing up, man. Like, and I, I was at a time where rap culture became huge, right? And all my friends loved Gucci. Like, we go, we'd be at parties in high school and stuff, and Gucci was always playing. And I was like, oh man, I, like, can we get like some Wayne or some Drake? Drake had gotten <laughs> bigger at that time, you know. And um, I found out a long time ago on Twitter that you liked Gucci, and I was like, wow, I'm gonna have to make myself like this music now because. That is insane. Like, like how many, especially back in like the nineties and, and in late eighties, like the hip hop stuff, like wasn't as big then. So it seems like such a very uncommon that a lot of the, the old school NASCAR drivers would be into that kind of music. So it's really, really I uh, for our generation, like it's really cool. And we've seen also like, what did you think whenever he um, – I know there was at least one time when Gucci Mane tweeted at you, right? Or he tweeted something. Yeah, he, he tweeted something about congratulations on my, you know, on my uh, Hall of Fame induction. 
but he hasn't paid much attention to me. So that's okay. Uh, my favorite Gucci era was pre uh, the, the early Gucci before the last prison term. Uh, when he came out, you know, he was a, he was a new man and he still demolishes anybody that he raps with. Like if he, if they do a, I don't know what you call it duo. There's a song with another great rapper. When Gucci does his part, he he crushes anybody. I would, if I was a rapper, I would never do anything with Gucci. Yeah. Because he crushes them, <laughs> even today. But the best Gucci is the one that sounds like he's got a clothespin on his nose, you know, and uh, you know, he's just rapping with uh, you know, uh Zaytoven or whoever, and they're yeah, I mean, there's the old stuff, the scary Gucci. That's the guy. Yeah, Dude, I don't even, I don't even know who Zaytoven is, Mark. Dude, that's Zaytoven, who is Zaytoven, Zaytoven man. Well, Zaytoven's incredible, but he didn't, he didn't make it big, you know, because it's, it's where you are and who you know, and I don't know how Gucci made it. I really don't because he, he did so much music and put it out for free. It was ridiculous. But that, you know, that the one time when, when he went to prison, what did he do? Chase put out like 13 albums while he was in prison. Yeah. So that was, that had to be what sometime around, I don't know. That was, that was like, cause his first couple mixtapes, he had Trap House and then he had like Hard to Kill. And then it would have had to be around like what, 07, 08? I, I can't put my, put a finger on the time, but. You know, it, 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 that that good old, that stuff that he does, he's just look. You guys have to understand, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Fact, there's no. a lot of things wrong with me. There's not. Okay? It's, so it's, don't try to understand why I like Gucci, okay? Because no. you ain't gonna figure it out. That's the beauty of it, though, right? Like that. It's like music is like <laughs> I tell people all the time. It's the universal language. Music is blind. It doesn't. You don't. It doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, how you live your life. Like when you hear something and you know it's for you, it's for you, it's, and, and yeah. that's just how it goes. I'm just glad that that Gucci Mane chose you and you chose Gucci Mane because. Like me, I remember, I, I'll tweet you all the time. Like when he did after Young Dolph, I'm a big Young Dolph key Glock guy from Memphis. I love Memphis rap. I'm from New Orleans too. So obviously Lil Wayne, I grew up big timers, juvenile. Like, you know, that was all my stuff. The Paul Wall era, Mike Jones. Like that was, that's everything. Uh, me. And then Mike of course Jones. the Chronic 2001 was the first, like that was the first rap song. Forgot About Dre was the first song that I remember listening to as a little boy. Like, cause I think me and your son are around the same age. So it makes a lot of sense why you would have been hearing that. And you'd have been here. Cause like him and I are right there in the same, in the same area of music. So yeah, it all makes sense. There's nothing wrong with you, man. And you're on datpiff.com. I'm sure you've had the trap tapes.com on your times. So I love it. Yeah. I think it's incredible, man. And, and so, yeah, never, never change, never change that about yourself. You're individual and you're true to yourself. And that's what matters at the end of the day, um, outside of anything that you do for your profession or whatever else. So I love that. And then not, yeah. not that, but, uh, but you're, you're big into RV and, and traveling. You got a lot of projects going on with, uh, with your RV and you've got some like spaceships for RVs, man. Where, where did that all come about? Was that just traveling around the country when you were racing? Um, well, it started, I got my first, uh, RV in, in 89 and then I got my first Newell coach in 1990. 
And so instead of staying in hotels, we would take it to the racetrack and stay in it. And so I've been in them forever. Um, in the late nineties, you know, I hired a driver or mid nineties, I'm sorry. I hired a driver and started flying, you know, got my own plane and started flying to all the races. It just got busier and more success. And so I didn't drive them anymore, but you know, I went to the racetrack, I stayed in them. And what happened was when I, you know, before I got to NASCAR, I, I raced late models and I, I really built my own cars. I hung my own bodies. I did my own chassis setups. I mounted and sized and staggered all the tires and put them in their sets and did all those kind of things. So I'm kind of a mechanical guy. And, you know, the new automobiles don't, you know, do anything for me because I can't work on them uh, because they're so weird. Amen. So uh, I, you know, the, the, the motor coach is, and my dad owned a trucking company. So I was around semi trucks, you know, all growing up and there's just something about them, big old tires and wheels on that newel that just does it for me. You know, I don't know. And they're very mechanical. Uh, they got a lot of electronics in them and I can't really deal that much with that, but I can, you know, I, I can work on them, especially the, the, the running side of it, the, the engine and the suspension and all that stuff. And I, I just enjoy that's my golf game or my fishing outing or whatever is go and, and work on and maintain that coach. And every single time you drive one, something goes wrong. So you always have something to fix you know, and it always gives me a sense of uh, accomplishment when I fix something and I always feel better. And that's just my thing. I mean, everybody has to have a thing and um, I, I just really enjoy it. So about every three years, I, I don't think I'll do it after this one, but uh, the last uh, the last three times after three years, I've built a new coach and so, you know, so my old one and Every time I build, we build one, it's the same as a late model. You build it better than the one before. There are new things that are available or you learn something that you want to do different next time. And so that's just where my passion, you know, where, where my passion really is. How often do you, so you actually enjoy working on it more than you actually do driving and taking it places. That was where I was going to ask how often, you know, what, what, what where do you take it? Where do you take it and how often do you take it when you're, you just go on, you know, little vacations or trips or whatever? We've been all over the country, um, you know, from one side to the other, from the top to the bottom. We put about 15 to 20,000 miles a year on the coach, which is actually a lot uh, for a motor coach. Um, but we'll go months at a time and not take it anywhere, but we might go for, uh, I think last year we went on a six or eight week, you know, trip all the way from uh, the West Coast all the way through the middle of the middle America up into the Northeast and then back down through Chattanooga, Washington, D.C., Chattanooga and back through Arkansas and then back out West. So, you know, I, we just we go visit family or we go places like we want to stay um, and just see the world because 
from 93 on, we flew everywhere. All we saw was the airport and the racetrack and what was in between for, for years and years and years. So this country has a lot of beautiful and amazing things to see and a lot of really incredible history that just really makes you think. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. A lot different from looking at like the, the quilt of America being on the airplane, you know, looking down and seeing all the patchwork done. And Dale and I know a little bit about it. We, we spent a lot of time in an RV. Uh, you, you spent a lot of t- time at truck stops, big truck stop guy. It, well, um, sometimes we spend a night at truck stops. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> we, yeah, but, we had big adventures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little noisy, but, uh, I use earplugs and, um, yeah, sometimes, uh, when, the thing about cool about RV is you can pull into a truck stop and when you put the blinds down, you're at home. Yep. I mean, it's home. All your stuff's there and it feels like home. So it's yeah, kind, we, of, kind of wild. We, we've had our experiences and it's, we see how it's like a, it can be a money pit. You know, you talk about <laughs> fixing everything. Like maybe we'll just, maybe we can just hire you to be our RV mechanic next time we get back <laughs> on the road. How about that? And that'd keep me busy. That's it. Well, we know who to call now for sure. Mark, I, I can't thank you enough, man. This has been great. And, and it's just always good to learn a little bit more about a guy that, that we grew up and a guy that we still look at as just, you know, one of the, the legends of, of this sport and uh, guys that we look at, you know, you're one of the guys we look up to, man. So we, we just appreciate you. It's just been an incredible honor and we hope to uh, definitely see you more and, and, and maybe do some more stuff in the future. But uh, this has been great. And, uh, and I hope everybody that's watching and listening has enjoyed it as well. And uh, you've got a lot going on right now as well. So I wanted to make sure everybody knows to check out the Mark Martin archive. Uh, it's on Instagram. Great photos. I learned something new every day about Mark's career coming up. And then also you've got some amazing products that, you, that you're offering. Obviously, Dale's got one of the shirts on right now. The shirts are fantastic. So just wanted to encourage everybody to check those out. And, uh, and it's martmartinarchive.com, correct? Yeah, that's right. And uh, Matt is working his tail off, you know, getting approvals and coming with uh, with new stuff. And like, you know, these wind die casts were never made. You know, he's doing he's doing a, a, a wind die cast of my very first, you know, cup win, uh, which is amazing that he's managed to get approvals from uh, Stroh's Light and, and uh you know, and everyone in, involved to be able to offer these, you know, sort of once in a lifetime limited edition, really going to be collector's edition die casts of really significant wins that were never made before. So, uh, yeah, you ought to check out uh, markmartinarchive.com and all Matt's amazing work. Yeah, we we appreciate Matt for continuing to spread the legacy of your awesome career and everything you accomplished in the sport. And just to reiterate, yeah, this has been amazing to have you on the pod, Mark. We we really appreciate you. Uh, can't wait to see you again at, at a race. Is there any race you might be going to in 2023 or anything you got on your radar? Uh, I could possibly be at Vegas in October. Uh, I'm going to be uh, out of commission uh, most of the summer with uh, with a so, uh, shoulder surgery, so uh, I won't be I won't be out and about there for a while. You want to meet me at the blackjack table? You like to play roulette or something? Or, or... 
I'd rather spend my money, not lose it. Hey, that's a smart man. That's a figure. All right, there. We love that. Well, look, we wish you nothing but good fortune and good vibes through the surgery, and we'll be uh, we'll be keeping up with you. Uh, it's uh, you're on social media everywhere at Mark. Is it at Mark Martin, or is there anything in between? Uh, so one Mark Martin on Instagram, um, and then it's just at Mark Martin on Twitter. And, uh, I'm not even sure how you find it on Facebook. I'm not, I do have Facebook and, and I'm fairly active on it, but I don't understand how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong there. Well, look, everybody knows you, everybody knows who Mark Martin is. You Google Mark Martin, social media, you'll find everything you need there. Thanks so much again, Mark. And uh, we'll see you again soon. This has been Garage Talk with Mark Martin. Have a great day.